back for um part two of our appalachian death customs i made myself burp when i did that oh, no. uh and of course the our first segment was um a dissertation and um but this is going to be a little bit more about uh oral history an oral history type of um documentation uh versus a yeah versus a more academic uh thesis driven one so if you're like where is the statement to back that up it's because someone's grandma told them <laughs> so <laughs> i believed everything my grandma told me so it's sometimes that's really good and sometimes it's really bad <laughs> not about true. your grandmother because your grandma was a fucking treat but um <laughs> But yeah, so uh, so if people are just like, why why are you not why are you not quoting authors that have death in the title every five seconds? It's because this is a different this is a different kind of article. And this is now from the article "Sitting Up with the Dead: Lost Appalachian Barrel Customs" by Hope Thompson, which basically starts that uh, immigrants from Europe began settling in the area around the 18th century. The largest populations consisted of Ulster Scots and Scots-Irish. These people brought many traditions from the old Celtic world. If you grew up in Appalachia, you usually had a family relative who was a gifted who was gifted and could foresee approaching death omens or dreams of things to come. And uh, superstitions about death and omens were common and considered to be uh, God's will. They were not they were not seen as being a cult. Um, and a lot of the folk magic and granny magic, like that I'm about to talk about, um, a lot of that was not seen as a contradiction of people's faith and it's still not like a lot of like, this is still very, um, I think that this is still, uh, something that's like alive and well, people who are faith healers, people who are, uh, herbalists, people who, um, would maybe consider like other people might consider what they do to be magic or might consider them to be magical practitioners. They consider themselves to just like be Christians, but you know, be faith healers or be uh, granny witches. And that doesn't, that's not to say that every person, every one of those people is a Christian, but that's not, but you shouldn't necessarily think that those people are not Christian because as with, like Scottish folk magic and Irish folk magic, uh, Christianity, uh, especially in Scottish folk magic was, um, very heavily intertwined and they kind of melded together. It says, um, you went to a granny witch when you needed to be healed with her magic or probably her herbal meds, which were better than, than the few, if any doctors around that was added by me because, a lot of mid, like basically these these people were midwives and they had uh, herbal knowledge of the uh, plants, uh, the local plants around that might be able to help you, that might be able to save your life before a doctor could get there. So it's no strangers to death. Many houses were made with two front doors, one for happy occasions and um, one known as the funeral door. This led to the death watch room, the room for sitting up with the dead. And so, like, this is what I'm saying, like, this is different, because, like, I have heard of this phenomenon, but none of that was, like, I didn't hear any of that quoted in the thesis, but that doesn't mean that it didn't happen, because, I don't know, like, I've, yeah, like, I've, I think I've, like, I've seen pictures and um, heard about this practice as well, and it's just kind of something that was known, that that's what you did. There was, there's a room that you specifically... There was a room and how there's there was a certain time in America that there might be a room in a house that was specific specifically for awake or specifically for waking with like being with the dead. It says if a person died in winter and the ground was too hard, sometimes the person would have to be put in a protected shelter until the ground thawed. Once the bell tolled, every mirror in the house was covered with dark cloth. The windows would be closed. 
The belief was that by covering these portals, a returning spirit would not become trapped and it could cross over into the next life. So that's part of the, I guess, um, watching over a person and waiting for their spirit to depart, but also making sure that their spirit didn't get sidetracked was like a, I guess was another big part of some of the customs. This one I thought was interesting. The swinging hands of the clock were stopped both to mark the time of death and for the belief that when a person died, time stood still for them. And, uh, like in, in some of these things, because this might not have been universal in the Southern Upland Appalachia. Maybe this was maybe like, I don't know if, I don't know what the sources are. So maybe this is like from a very specific area or maybe this is like what someone's family member remembers. So it might be like very specific to a certain part. So yeah, <laughs> does that make any sense? Mm -hmm. Cause yeah, cause it's kind of hard to tell, especially like if people didn't have like cameras and you can't find the graves and you know, it's kind of hard, right? This is preparing the body. We're going to be going over some similar things. You can, you can, you can drink a beer for everything that you hear that you heard in the last episode. Um, <laughs> <laughs> the body was laid out on a cooling board. Depending on the family, the cooling board could be a door taken off the hinges, table, ironing board, or piece of lumber. Many families had specific pieces for that purpose. Said pieces could be passed down through the generations. Man, what an heirloom. Right? It's like, yeah, this is our death board. <laughs> The laying out board was usually placed on two chairs or sawhorses so that the body could be stretched out straight. Depending on the position the person died in, if rigor mortis had set in, it might be necessary to break the bones or soak parts of the body in warm water to get the corpse to lay flat on the board. Hmm. So people had to be, people had to do this work and they also had to, I guess, steal themselves for this kind of work mm -hmm. as well because it wasn't always... As we all know, like, death is not always uh, peaceful in bed. It says, in some instances, if the person was found before rigor mortis set in, um, as it set in, people witnessed bones cracking and breaking, causing the corpse to move. In these instances, the body would be covered with a sheet and tied with rope to keep it from jerking upright. Which I can only imagine led to, like, so many ghost stories and uh, oh, geez, folklore yeah. and things like that. Especially, like, hearing the body creak and move in death. Performed by the oldest woman in the family was the practice of seining. An ancient Scottish tradition, she would light a candle and wave it over the corpse three times. On the chest of the body would be placed a wooden bowl filled with three handfuls of salt to keep the corpse from rising unexpectedly. This was used as a blessing and a protection for the body against evil spirits. Not to wash away sin. So that's like a very, that's a very big distinction. So this is another, um, the melding of ancient Celtic practices with Christianity. Like, I think for Christians, a lot of that would, the idea of like purification, of washing away internal sin, when um, for Celtic beliefs, it was more about creating like a barrier of protection for the body and for the soul of the person so that like nothing could mess with it or get in or out, you know, like that versus, you know, any washing away of something bad that the person had done. It was more about cleansing, uh, cleansing away bad energy, bad spirits. Of course, to some people that might be one and the same. So this is after the body is laid out, the arms are folded across the chest and the legs and brought together and tied near the feet. The head was tied with a handkerchief under the chin around the top of the head, Jacob Marley style. So I always thought that that was like, he had like a jaw problem. Yeah, and I like, think you I know, did too for, for a long time. And like, uh, yeah. Cause, Until relatively Because I, I know that in the book he takes it off and his jaw just like drops. <laughs> But, uh, yeah, I think, yeah, I think it's like to keep the, like the mouth from opening basically mm -hmm. versus what they do with like modern, uh, techniques. And again, they talk about soda water or aspirin, um, being used to keep the skin from discoloring and darkening. So, so the dead eyes with their eyes open, weights or coins are placed over the eyes to close them. 
Silver coins or 50 cent pieces were used instead of pennies because the copper would turn the skin green. We already know this. The body of the deceased would then be washed with warm soapy water. So family would clothe the deceased in their best clothes, usually an outfit of the deceased had picked out, especially for the occasion. Yeah, it says, uh, yeah, the deceased body is never left alone until it is time to take them to burial. The sitting up after the body is repaired, it is placed in a handmade coffin for the viewing and placed in either the parlor or the funeral home. Many times a handmade quilt would be put in and over the deceased along with flowers and herbs, which that then turned into the um, tradition of um, bringing flowers to the funeral. Now, the ritual of sending flowers to a funeral come from this very old tradition. The aroma from the profusion of flowers helps mask the odor of decomposition. Flowers as a form of grave decoration were not widely used until after the mid-19th century. Common grave decorations traditional to Southern Appalachia included personal effects, toys, shells, rocks, and pottery shards. Later in the 19th century, bunches of wildflowers, homemade plants or vegetable wreaths, and crepe paper flowers gained popularity. Putting formal flower arrangements in, um, on graves as part of a traditional Decoration Day events began, um, I actually wrote, began beginning, sorry, no, began being incorporated into the 20th century. Jesus. All right. Which, like, um, Decoration Day is something that a friend of mine who's from who, like, was raised in East Tennessee is familiar with, and I'd like to learn more about it, because I didn't really know about it. Um, so it's the day after the wake, the body would be loaded into a wagon taken to the church for the funeral service. The family friends would walk behind the wagon dressed in black. The church bell would toll until the castle was brought into the church. We already knew this. The viewing in the church was the last. Friends and family walked past the body to take a final look at the deceased. Someone placed items in the coffin as well. Jewelry, tobacco, pipes, toys, the Bible. And if you are really cool, alcohol. <laughs> and then we get to uh, Death, Superstitions, and Traditions in Appalachia by Tipper from the website Blind Pig and the Acorn. So, like, and, and a lot of this stuff is really universal. A lot of the stuff is the same. So a lot of the stuff that I talked about um, was very much the same. But uh, little things vary from place to place. And what he wrote caught my eye, which is um, in some places, if, if a person or people lived too far away to hear the church bell, the church, uh, they, would be, they would be notified by a sealed letter edged in black. Mm-hmm. Which is goth as fuck. And it's just, like, these little things that might, like, they might not be universal for the region. They might only be for, like, a select area. Like, um, like the, like the coffin quilts that are supposedly, like, only, or maybe they originated in eastern Kentucky. But that doesn't mean that they didn't exist, you know? I think there's also a Johnny Cash song. It's by it's probably yeah by somebody else originally, but when I like this, um, because he kind of talks about like his family. He says, "In my lifetime, several of Granny's family members lain and stayed at Granny Gazzy's house instead of at the local funeral home. In fact, Granny Gazzy was one of them." During her death and the deaths of my aunt and uncles, I never thought it odd that their visitation service was held at home instead of in town at the funeral home. I wasn't one of those folks who sat up all night with the loved ones, but there were others in the family who did. So in days gone by, folks pitched in to help when someone died. They prepared the body, dug the grave, and made the casket. One of the deer hunter's friends lost an uncle last year, and the men in the family built the casket themselves. He told me, staying up all night with the other family members and working on the casket, that they would lay their beloved uncle, brother, father, and friend into rest. Uh, into rest um, was of the most meaningful things he had ever taken part of during his life. Filling in the grave once the deceased was buried was reserved for close friends. So, like, that's something also, like, at the end of the service, like, that's for either like family or close friends like everyone else kind of goes but that's that's something that like i've read a couple of times and then we get to the 
Appalachian superstition surrounding death. And in a place that was as hard to live, <laughs> there are a lot. <laughs> so here's a few superstitions that come quickly to mind. Quickly to mind, mind you. Um, if a bird flies in the house, someone will die. If a picture falls off the wall, someone will die. And he says, how crazy is this one? If you hear a screech owl at dusk, someone soon will die. <laughs> I mean... This one, this one was the one It's like, uh, this one is the one that I, I paused on. He said, death comes in threes. This one is still alive and well in Southern Appalachia. And I believe it myself. And see, now I always thought that the death coming in threes thing was like a universal thing, like a universal superstition. Yeah. And I didn't know that it was like, I never thought of it being like a Southern thing. It's a... I mean, I I wonder where it originated because, like, no, it's definitely just like a thing. Yeah, it's just a thing, right? I mean, I just watched. There's an maybe, episode of but maybe, maybe they maybe they hold it. a little bit more to it. Maybe. <laughs> maybe the yeah, other is. Yeah, like I just watched that episode recently. <laughs> but yeah, like it's uh, yeah. I don't. Maybe it. Yeah, who knows where it came from? But. I don't know, maybe it's just more prevalent. Maybe they, because death is everywhere, maybe they're just like, oh, a little bit more wary of it than people are just like, it's just a coincidence. Because, like, uh, like, what is it, the thing of uh, humans, humans seeing patterns and randomness is like, yeah, it was a way to uh, defend themselves from predators, being able to, like, see you know, a predator in the leaves, but also our brains get bored and we want to make sense of information. Yeah. Um, yeah. So but people, at the same time, you, you see patterns where there aren't patterns. That's yeah. We read, we read some stuff about that in my conspiracy theories class because things that are ordered make more sense logically and people can handle them better than if just like random shit happens and that's where the random chaos of the cold unfeeling universe yeah that's where conspiracy th- and that's how conspiracy theories are born oh well it's it's funny too that i mean like it's not funny but like um leslie jordan unfortunately which broke my fucking heart yeah my dad loves Sorted Lives. <laughs> my dad talked about Sorted Lives, and I think he actually like went to, I think he went to go see something that um, Dale Dickey was in, like a version of that. And I don't know if Leslie Jordan was in that cast mm-hmm. or what, but like my dad loved, he loved him in it, and he loved the show. Um, but then of course, and then Loretta Lynn, and then someone else just died, and like I know that it's just like people die. <laughs> Yeah. People die and celebrities die. So like it's but but it is just but it is something that I uh I find myself watching more for is like who's the third one going to be? Like as a person who who thinks of myself as a rational person, that is one that I am just a little bit like death comes in three. <laughs> My question about that has always been like how uh, what's the timeline? Yeah, it's like same month, same week, same day. Yeah, like what's the timeline? Or what of this? what are the rules? How how what are the rules of the game? Is this? Yeah. What uh what final destination uh sequel are we doing? Yeah. And this one, which comes through a lot, and I think like um, I think there are a lot of different cultures that have different uh, folklore about this, but um, mirrors must be covered after a death in the house. Or whoever looks into one and sees their reflection will die. <laughs> so we had one, the the last one, where it was like the soul might get trapped or lost. And then it's like, no, because if you see your reflection, you're going to die. <laughs> <laughs> Howling dogs in the night signify death, which, whew, Antioch. Um <laughs> I've lived near coon dogs my entire life, and let me tell you, everyone in Brass Town would be dead by now. <laughs> so I think I think that they're doubting the validity of that one. Mm-hmm. Oh my god! If you drink my birth, it signifies death. Which I guess, like, 
especially back in the day, that made sense since, like, childbirthing was so dangerous. I guess stuff like that went more hand in hand. Mm-hmm. She says, trying to make sense of it. <laughs> when someone dies, all the clocks in the home must be stopped to prevent another death. See? Oh, interesting. See, the other one was about, you know, more about the person, but this one's <laughs> about the fear of... It's like it's it's almost like death is catching, which which I guess, in a place that like where life is that hard, I I, I could see that kind of thinking. Like don't don't give death a reason. Mm-hmm. Uh, it is bad luck to walk on graves. I can remember being cautioned about this one as a child, and I pass it on to my girls. It's actually a combination of respect for the dead, and a fear of bad luck. <laughs> Pregnant women should never look at a deceased person or it will mark the unborn child. Oh, no. It says, when my granny Gazzy died, I was pregnant. Uh, oh, I'm so sorry. I didn't I didn't know. Sorry. When my granny Gazzy died, I was pregnant with the girls and I was warned over and over about this one. Interesting. Sorry, for some reason I thought that the person writing was uh, a guy. Very sorry. Um... Says you must tell the bees. Oh, I love this one, and I and I've heard about this one before. Yeah, um, I remember you talking about this before. Yeah, yeah. You must tell the bees if there is a death in the family, or they will swarm. Well, <laughs> everything this person's saying is like way more threatening. Yeah, uh, I I thought that the telling the bees was like a nice, just like. It was a nice, like, what I heard. Or the, a way the, to disseminate the, the, information. It was a way to let them know that something had happened. And uh, they said it was a way so that they wouldn't get spooked and, like, leave the hive. Okay. Is what I heard. Is what I heard. Uh, but, yeah, that was, like, the, the culture behind that was, yeah, you told the bees so that they wouldn't get upset, I guess. And, yeah, as a form of respect. Bees carry the news of death. That's another one. Uh, never rock an empty rocking chair because it signifies death. <laughs> These are great. Uh, the last custom, the stopping for the funeral procession. Which I think, like, I think that that's a, I don't know if that's, like, something that people don't observe anymore unless it's, like, a big thing. But... I know that, like, my mom would always, if she saw lights, if it was, like, daytime and she saw headlights on in succession, she would always pull off to the side of the road because yeah. she knew it was a funeral. I thought that, yeah, um, I just thought that was a thing that you you did. I wouldn't be surprised, like, I don't have a lot of experience driving in a lot of places other than the South, so I don't right. know, I assume that that's a thing other places. Well, and this is back in the day, but my mom also, um, she had to go to court for something. This was either in the 60s or 70s. I don't know if it was, like, for speeding. I don't know if it was, like, traffic court or whatever, but she got chatting to this guy, because of course she did, because my mother doesn't know a stranger. And she asked him, like, what are you in for? And he's just like, oh, I didn't break for a funeral. Oh. <laughs> and the cops gave him, the cops gave him a ticket. So, uh... I would say if you're in the South and you see a few, like, if you see a funeral, I would, I, just to be wary, I would definitely, I would definitely, safely, obviously, if it is safe, I would definitely uh, pull over to the side of the road. <laughs> and then this gets taken off the air because they're like, how could you say that? It's so dangerous. You know, but, uh, <laughs> but no, yeah, I think that, I don't know, was that, was that in your driver's I can't remember if that was in driver's ed. I have ed no course. idea if that's in driver's ed or if that's just something. I that can't remember. If that's yeah, or if that's just something that's like you pull over because you're not because <laughs> you weren't raised in a barn. Yeah. Which honestly has made me like I, the person I haven't asked, which I should fucking add because like, like I know that um, I know the story about Jeffy. But, like, I'm sure my mom has a bunch of fucking funeral stories. Yeah. 
<laughs> and I haven't asked her about it. And I'm just like, hey, like, I need to ask her, like, hey, what's a weird, what's a weird funeral thing? Or did you, did you know of any? Or was there, you know, what's something that people used to do that they don't do now? I need to ask my great aunt to take my, I'll take my recorder up there and I'll just like let her talk. Yeah, that'd be rad. <laughs> She actually, apparently, I think it was her, uh, speaking of people, like, the whole story about, you know, people who die at home and you can't, uh, I think that my great-grandfather always joked about, like, or no, I think his wife, I think his wife always joked about the fact that he was probably going to die with, like, a cigarette in his mouth, mm -hmm. and I think it was my great-aunt, his daughter, who walked in and like didn't notice at and then like yeah he like definitely like was just like in the chair mm -hmm. with a cigarette and was dead. Probably like yeah probably like uh, but also yeah uh, eastern east eastern Tennessee farmer so <laughs> I'm sure that <laughs> I don't know maybe that's probably how he wanted to go out. Um, probably die with your boots on. So, um, I just want to say, uh, this one's, I guess, a little bit shorter. Maybe this is a mini. I don't know. Oh, um, I was going to say, if, if that's, if that's. That's all you get. If that's all we get, do you want to maybe on the fly go through some of the, uh, spooky movies you've been watching recently for, for your oh, shit, yeah. Halloween kicks? Maybe that could be Aww. the, that could be the end of this the, the last part of this episode I would contribute but um, I guess I can I can go first and say that we watched Ghostbusters and Yay! then we watched um, two of the Halloween episodes of Community and some mm. of the Halloween Those specials are always good. of The Simpsons and then we watched Ghostbusters 2 so <laughs> <laughs> I, oh boy I still okay. need to watch Reanimator this month I haven't oh done yeah, that I do too. I need to like I I need to like remind myself that it's okay to watch like old standards. Like I don't have to watch just like all new shit. Um, so my first one was My Bloody Valentine, extended edition. Not much of a story, but really great gore and it's like a good Canadian horror film. In the Earth, which is really good, like folk horror eco horror mm -hmm. really love it um it's i think it has a lot of the same people behind uh who are behind uh, a field in england if you like that which i i, I really do hocus pokes 2 watch that with christy which like nothing is as good as the original obviously but it was a lot of fun it was really fun cool i haven't watched that yet and i want to it's cute like you know it's not I'm not going to give like a, well, this is her, you know, mm -hmm. sure. I think, I think that everyone who worked on it had a lot of fun. And honestly, I'm willing to watch all of that cast have fun. Yeah. Oh, and also, uh, uh, Doug Jones actually got to speak. <gasps> <laughs> he actually got to speak in a role, <laughs> which is nice. Although I guess he, I think he gets to speak on Star Trek. Yeah, but, um, yeah, that's him. I'm pretty sure. He's just in makeup. Yeah. But yeah, he just most of the time like because uh, I know that even with Abe Sapien, that was David Hyde Pierce, but it was Doug Jones in the uh, in the makeup and in the prosthetics, but it was David Hyde Pierce's voice. Wow. Um. Yeah, and then I saw I saw the Devil, which is a uh, Korean horror revenge film. Really good. Really, really bloody, very, very dark, super, super brutal. Maybe don't watch unless you watch other Korean revenge films. Um, but some of the best cinematography, there's there's the scene that's in a car and the way that they shot it and the way that they did it. It's just, mwah, it's art. It's beautiful. <laughs> uh, Dolores Claiborne, because I've grown soft and have become a Stephen King fan, even though, like, I was really shitty about it when I was like, eh, Stephen King, meh. <laughs> but then, like, I read Carrie, and I was like, oh, it's not so bad. Okay, I like it. Like, 
And then The Dead Zone, which I did not know was directed by, took all this time. No idea that it was directed by um, Cronenberg, David Cronenberg. Oh, okay. And it's, I mean, there is some parts that are like, Ugh! but it's so un-Cronenbergian mm-hmm. in some ways, yet so very Cronenbergian in others. Uh, how much yeah, body I just didn't put it together. is there? Well, there is a part where you see a guy killing himself by, by forcing his head down onto a pair, like onto scissors. Okay, yeah, that's, that's that's pretty. Mm-hmm. Okay. So like, I feel like it makes up for, like any of the other <laughs> shit. Like it's like ah. Uh, the Omen, which is an oldie but a goodie. It's fun. Uh, the original one. I don't. I can't really speak to the other ones, but the the original one is fun. And then there's uh, Dracula, AD, 1972, which is about Dracula in swinging London, baby. Yeah. Like, it's, um, it's, yeah, <laughs> it's kind of Dracula meets Austin Powers. Dope. If Austin Powers was, like, a bit of a jaded Satanist. And then Frankenstein, 1970, which you might think is Frankenstein in swinging London. It's not. It's Frankenstein, and it's set in the 1800s, and it was made in 1958. So I don't know why it's called that. <laughs> they're just then there are the y'all. satanic. Yeah, just 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 to keep you guessing. Thanks, Hammer Films. Then there's uh, the Satanic Rites of Dracula, another Christopher Lee and Hammer Hammer Wonder. Oh, The Hunger, which I'd actually never seen The Hunger before. I would gasp, I kinda... but I also haven't seen The Hunger. <laughs> well, it's something that, like, I kind of wanted to see on big screen. Yeah, yeah. I wanted to see on big screen, she says. Um, but I also, like, there are these two dudes on MPR. It's, like, the two guys on NPR who do, like, the music reviews. And they were talking about, like, yeah, it's Bauhaus Paul Lugosi's dead from The Hunger. Because, yeah, like, they, Bauhaus is the intro music to The yeah. Hunger, and it's great. But then they just, like, trash the movie. And, like, while the movie is kind of uneven, I don't totally hate it. I don't totally hate the premise. Uh, I think it's interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah, it's, like, it starts out, ooh, and then it gets a little slow. It's not as bad as, like, Man Who Fell to Earth, but, <laughs> but some few things seldom are. Oh yeah, and then After Midnight, which is a, it's like a southern, it's like, it, it's like, it's a southern horror movie, but it's actually mostly about a guy being sad that his girlfriend broke up with him. Okay. And it's like them, like, going through the relationship, it's like him, like, going through the relationships, like, all the great parts, and then all the sad parts, but also there's this thing that comes every night, Ooh. and he has to fight it off, and he's like, his little Louisiana two story and he, he, no one believes him. They're like, it's a cougar. And he's just like, no, that's dumb. <laughs> that's stupid. It's not a cougar. Um, and then, uh, censor, which is interesting. It's like a British is it's cool. I like it more for the subject matter than the actual horror of the film. Like, because I wasn't creeped out at all, but it was basically about uh, Britain had an area had an era in like the eighties and nineties uh, that like they really got into like censoring film because mm-hmm. uh, because of the VHS revolution and like they thought that children being able to like rewatch horror films over and over and over again would have like psychological effects. Little did they know, <laughs> no, um, <laughs> but like would have a. Uh, like really terrible psychological effects. And so there was like this huge list of banned movies in Britain called the video nasties. And this is basically a horror movie about someone who's a censor for the video nasties. And like they decide and like, you know, so that was kind of cool. And then she dies tomorrow, which is like, I liked it. It's, it's more like artsy. It's a more artsy film, but I really liked, I liked the premise for it. thought it was really interesting. Then had to go back <laughs> to an old standard. I still know what you did last summer. Gotta get back to that 90s slasher. Mm-hmm. Uh, my Gotta get back to my little, like, preteen swooning over Freddie Prince Jr. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
Also, I like, also, I like, I still know what you did last summer. Also, it, also, I completely fucking forgot. It has Jeffrey Combs in it. Oh, shit. It has Jeffrey Combs in it being just, like, the most fucking over all these people shit. (laughs) Oh, and, uh, and a Jack Black as a problematic white Rastafarian, but he gets his, so it's okay. Uh. But yeah, but also it's 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 way more fun than the first film, and this is not no shade on Ryan Phillippe and Sarah Michelle Gellar, but uh, uh, yeah, it's just uh, it's just it's just more fun. It's kind of like the difference between Magic Mike and Magic Mike XXL. <laughs> I don't know how else to describe it. Yeah, no, I mean, I I haven't seen. I guess I haven't seen the second one, but. It's uh, it's me, uh, Jennifer Love Hewitt and Brandy. That gives me and... like, the perfect that that's the perfect analogy. Like I feel like that that gives me a flavor of what that second movie must be like. One well, like and and it's not like that it isn't good, and it's not like there isn't like the emotional thing of just like she's still being haunted by this shit, and like you know, mm-hmm. and trying to move on, and you know now her now she's worried that like her new friends are getting pulled into it, and you know. But it's also set in the Caribbean. <laughs> Wee! It's kind of, and it's kind of got, like, more of, like, a Scooby-Doo aspect to it. Cool, Because, okay. like, we're trapped on a deserted beach island. It's tornado season, and uh, there's a killer, like... I don't know. It's, uh, it's fun. It's, it's very, it's very fun. And then the beautiful jennifer's body which if you've never seen it um it is i think if it's not the tagline it should be the hell is a teenage girl that's basically Mm -hmm. that movie and then there's a little english movie which was very low budget but it was but it was it was fun it was called effie uh, effie hopkins cannibal hunter (laughs) okay and it's about this chick who uh she's a she's her own version of a private eye and like fuck nowhere midlands britain in like this little like podunk town and she has a suspicion that her neighbors are cannibals and it just goes from there cool oh yeah adam's family of course fright night the remake because love the original but also love the remake anton yelchin Mm -hmm. uh david tennant uh, colin farrell which honestly i like chris anderson a little bit more just because Jerry the Vampire, I feel like he goes in the 1980s version, he goes from being like sweater dad to he might fuck you to he might eat you. Like really can like, it's just like such like a flip on a dime. Mm-hmm. Whereas Colin Farrell's kind of always Colin Farrell. Yeah, yeah. It's not his fault. He's a very pretty person. But like Colin Farrell always looks like he's definitely gonna like fuck your girlfriend and then eat both of you. you know like it's you know yeah yeah and in in this context yeah he's just kind of in that mode the entire time yeah the entire time which you know they were they were trying to update it and so him being kind of like a goofy like <laughs> sweater bob saget guy doesn't doesn't right, necessarily yeah. work oh and then i saw the new hellraiser with christy right i think talked, i told you about that we talked about that a little bit um, and uh, horror I, directors that are listening to this, which I know all of you are, um, <laughs> lighting. That's like I swear to God, if I can't see, like sometimes, sometimes we don't light, light the monster because the monster looks bad. But when the monster looks really cool, I want to see it. <laughs> yeah, that was the thing I thought was when we were talking about it before. You were like, the costume's really cool. From what I could see. <laughs> From what I could see. <laughs> oh yeah, and then I watched The Munsters, which is, like it or not, it's a really, really faithful adaptation, I feel. Which might make you hate it, but it's just super spoopy. So, if you are looking for something real fucking silly, as my dad would say, and he would say it in the tone of like, he actually thought it was really silly and he did not like it, but we would like it cause it's, <laughs> cause it's fucking silly. And then the dark half, which is another, it's a, the Richard Bachman, Stephen King. And then all of the screams, except for the most recent one, because 
I really love Scream. Sure. Because I always have. And, like, when I was... I remember, like, we were, like, in fifth grade when that came out. And that was just, like... <laughs> man, if Dale Brown wasn't worried about me, he probably sure as shit was then. But, like, that was all we could talk about at school. was, like, have you seen Scream? Like, all these, like, little ten-year-olds. Like, ah! <laughs> this movie's so meta, but we don't know what meta is. So we can't describe it as meta. <laughs> Oh, yeah, then there's Extraordinary, which is this movie that I love. It's from Ireland, and it's about this very reluctant medium who's a, uh, she's a, she's a uh, driving instructor, but she can also uh, speak to ghosts, and she's very reluctant, and, um, shit, the guy from the Great North who always talks like this, oh, dad, name it, oh, like, uh, Wolf from the Great North is in it as the bad guy, and the chick who's uh, Steed Bonnet's wife in um, Our Flag Means Death is also in it and is very funny. And I'm going to run through the rest because y'all don't care. Uh, uh, New Candyman, which was great. Event Horizon, which has always been great. Schizo, which is real bad. Uh, Monster Squad, which is a cute 80s film but has a lot of problematic parts. Hansel and Gretel, Witch Hunters, which I was just thinking of you and Grant the entire time. <laughs> That movie is, like, it's so hokey and silly, but I love it. It's kind of like, it's kind of like on a Van Helsing, but it never took itself that seriously. And I feel like that was the problem with Van Helsing. Like, Van Helsing would have been fine if it had just been a little bit stupider. Yeah. Like, it was trying too hard to be, like, you know. Most, when it was when it was just real silly. Most of what I remember about Hansel and Gretel is when we were watching it, and we were just kind of like, "Huh, hmm, wait, does he have diabetes?" Yep. <laughs> yep. <laughs> oh, you have the sugar sickness. Oh, let me help you. You have the sugar sickness. So it's just like, yeah, yeah. I don't know that. It's cute. You try. <laughs> this is goofy. This is not science. Um, oh, uh, The Company of Wolves, which Neil Jordan, if you like Neil Jordan, you should watch it because it is a feast for the senses. Also, if you like gothic literature, you should read Angela Carter, which um, the movie is based off of her work, The Bloody Chamber. So do that. Do treat yourself. Treat yourself. Fucking, uh, fucking. Then The Lighthouse. Because I really just wanted to see, uh, I, I just, yeah, I just really like watching Robert Pattinson and Willem Dafoe hate fuck each other. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> uh, <laughs> then uh, Deep Red. Then, oh, then Elvira's Haunted Hills, which I thought was, like, going to be something about Hollywood for some fucking reason, which just proves that my reading comprehension is dog shit. Um, because, yeah, no, it's actually, like, based off of like the old uh roger corman vincent price edgar Allan poe it's like a spoof on those cool okay yeah which is really cool but extremely specific and i think that's the problem is that it was too like it's like oh people don't people think you're doing this when you're actually doing this and they don't quite get it i think they thought that she was doing like like dracula or Mm -hmm. you know something else but it's like no yeah this is like mask of the red death house of usher yeah kind of stuff and it was great like when if you know those references it's really funny and fun then popcorn which is oh yeah i watched the i watched the 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 joe bob's haunted halloween whatever the fuck um but it had elvira on there and that was great and that's how i learned that uh the guy who was jombie um in peewee's playhouse was half of Elvira's writing like it was he was like half of Elvira the writing okay. team neat yeah which I had no idea I was like I was like oh and um the living dead in Manchester which is a uh kind of forgotten 70s zombie horror flick it's pretty cool no yeah the li- sorry the living dead at the Manchester morgue maybe that's the reason why because that's a fucking mouthful then VHS 1999, which I gotta say, when I first watched the VHS stuff, it didn't really get me. But honestly, I like a good horror anthology, and I actually really like 1999. It might be my favorite one. 
then, uh, <laughs> oh yeah, there's a movie called Deadstream instead of Livestream. Mm. And it's about a kind of like a Logan Paul dude who, uh, he loses all of his followers over a terrible stunt. So he tries to win them all back by doing a stupid stunt and going into a haunted house. But of course it's a real haunted house. And so, you know, everyone dies terribly. Okay. It was very silly. <laughs> Oh, yeah, and then um, I actually found these movies that were made in the 60s and, like, the late 60s in Japan, and they're, like, yokai monster films, but they're also Japanese folklore, like, folk horror films, and the, and the effects are really cool. Like, the effects are, like, actually really good for the time. Uh, one of them is called 100 Monsters, and another one is called Spook Warfare, which I think that might be called, like, the Yokai War as well. And then um, there's another one, but they're all on Shutter. It's like there, there's a series of three, and they're really cool and they're shot really beautifully. Um, but yeah, so if you like Japanese folk horror and yokai, which are Japanese folk monsters, then you should totally watch that. And then a uh, Cemetery Man, which I'd never seen before, and it's Rupert Everett and like an English Italian movie about a guy who works in the cemetery where the dead are constantly coming back to life as zombies and he constantly is having to kill them. But it's like a drudgery, like government job kind of deal. <laughs> but he's also like looking for love. Aww. Yeah. It's but so, but it's also, but it's Italian. So it's kind of got that weird giallo, like surreal. This might all be a dream kind of deal mm. to it. And uh, then I've just been watching Bob's burgers. Cause I've been real sad. Yeah, no, that's that's fair. I want to watching the enjoying the Halloween versions of the Bob. I was gonna say that's one of the things I wanna I I wanna watch a bunch of the Halloween episodes of Bob's Burgers and the Venture Brothers Halloween special. Oh my God, pleasure toast. Yeah, your pleasure toast. We have such syrups to show you. I guess um, one thing before we go, and I'm sorry if y'all didn't want to hear about horror, but too bad. Um, I know that like this was, this was really cool for me to uh, learn about uh, this facet of um, Appalachian culture, but like also know that it is only one facet. And so if, uh, if this doesn't reflect your family's experience or... Um, you know, you have like a different version or, you know, maybe, you know, your family's cultural traditions don't come from these like places. Like we'd still like, I think we'd absolutely love to hear because oh hell yeah, as the people were talking about, like, uh, huh? Oh, I was just saying, oh, hell yeah. Yeah. I want to hear everybody's stuff. Yeah. Like... Cause like, I mean, cause yeah, like the, the, the scotch, like while yes, that while yes, that plays a part and yes, that, that does like, there's so many other there's so many other cultural factors that have like gone into making the South and Appalachia what it is. And especially like the death customs and culture in general, obviously. But uh, yeah, so we would just love to hear like, even if it doesn't like meet the criteria of what we have done on these episodes, that doesn't mean that we don't want to absolutely hear your family's traditions, your family's stories. Um, yeah, so please, uh, please let us know. That would be that would be wonderful. Yeah, hit us up. Does that sound good? Does that sound like how a person should phrase that? Yeah. Okay. While they're obvious, while they've obviously shaped shit, and while these cultural forces have obviously shaped shit, they are definitely not the only cultural forces that have shaped shit. Yeah. And so, yeah, I don't want it to be like, and this and scotch irish traditions are the only traditions that like made southern you know yeah, death culture no. the way that it is it's just like there's so much shit that like it's a i don't know pot. it is a well and and especially with the or with the oral traditions there's i think like it probably is kind of it is kind of hard to track down where some of the stuff came comes from unless people start talking about mm -hmm. it unless people are like oh yeah in this area we did this well my family's from here and we did this like i think that it's um i think that it's really cool and it's uh yeah something i'd like to hear more of but also um you don't even have to be from appalachia you don't even have to be from the south if you like if your family have like 
uh, like cultural death customs and you want to talk to us about it or something that's maybe just special to your family, let us know. Okay. So should we sign off? Yeah. I just, <laughs> just all the, don't do this because you'll die. Don't do that because that means <laughs> someone's going to die. Don't stop listening to our podcast or. Because it means you'll die. Yeah. I mean, I guess, I guess, I guess if you die, you would stop listening to our podcast. True. And unless our podcast is a punishment in hell. <laughs> it probably is. It probably is. <laughs> Listen to these two idiots talk about anthropology. And <laughs> Only one of them has a degree. <laughs> Only one of them has a degree and it's in theater. Uh. You're undergrad in history. Shh. No one needs to know that. It doesn't. That's not funny. <laughs> Having a theater degree is way funnier. <laughs> they just like death and they're going to bore people about it. So that about wraps it up, right? It does. It wraps it up. This is this was really fun. It's cool to kind of learn about some of my heritage. Uh, also real depressing. <laughs> sure. Yeah. She's like, oh, that's what my grandfather probably had to be institute. Great grandfather, excuse me, had to be institutionalized because everything was real hard. <laughs> But no, it was a, uh, it was, it was, it was really interesting learning about all of this stuff, and it's stuff that um, it's like the history that you think you know, mm-hmm. even about stuff that's like every day, and I think that it's the maybe the every day of it that you kind of take for granted, that it's like, but it can be there's so much information to unpack, mm-hmm. about like you know how it affected them, who they were, like how. Also, like, how folklore, you know, um, shapes people, but also how people shape folklore and, like, you know, all that jazz. But every episode that we've done has uh, always let me know how much shit I don't know. Which is good. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. This has been great. And I hope We'll be able to do some more episodes in the future, but I'm not going to promise that. We've talked about doing some mini episodes, and I hope we can make that happen. I will be in touch about that, but this has been really fun doing this. I hope you guys have enjoyed listening to it. So, possibly until next year. Getting dark. Stay stiff. Did you ever think worlds conspire that you may be the next to time? They'll wrap you in a long white sheet.